Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 33rd episode of Concerned Dabs Podcast. I am your host, Katie M. Kane. With me is my co-host, Will Turp. Yo, yo. What's up, Will Turps? So tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen, we have Mary Jane Oatman. She is here to talk about the Indigenous, Indigenous Cannabis Coalition and I can see's THC magazine. Is that correct? Am I pronouncing it correctly, Mary? Okay. Hey, everybody. What's up? So I uh, I actually had a conference call earlier today with Mary Jane and Jason Ortiz, Mike Diesel, and Anne Begay. That was pretty dope. I'm hoping we can get those guys on the podcast too sometime in the future because they had some really interesting uh, experiences too. So get them on for a podcast would be sick. But let's get down to uh, the interview with Mary Jane. How's it going tonight, Mary Jane? Elders, they need to know that uh, there's so many different ways to consume and they need to be educated on the, the difference with uh, the THC levels and the difference between, you know, hemp and cannabis and the non-psychoactive properties and, you know, what all of the different levels of terpenes do for their system. And most importantly, that it's natural to just remind them that this, you know, comes from Earth because a lot of our education, Western education systems have done such harm to our, our sister plant, our medicine. Yeah, man. And old people, too. Like, old people are, like, the only people that buy the the pills, like, the, the coconut pills that are infused with THC. I'm like, who the hell buys these? And it's usually just old people because they want it in pill form. You know what I mean? Well, I actually sold a, a few of those the other day for, for our Black Friday sale. They're, like, one of the best... Uh like values we have for edibles. We have these ogre THC capsules for, from CBD, CBD apothecary. They also do, you know, THC um, products as well, but they're um, $12 out the door recreationally. And they're 10 capsules that are 11 milligrams of THC each. So the, yeah, it's a really good value and it's really high quality, you know, uh, CO2 oil um, saturated in coconut oil. Um, each capsule is, yeah, it's, it's great. That's tight, man. Yeah. I, uh, I used to advocate I work... for different levels of products to our buyers, myself working in a cannabis retail store. And it was, you know, kind of on the front end of these retail stores being in the Eastern part of Washington. And so, you know, to talk to some of the buyers to say, well, we need to get, you know, suppositories in here and we need sexual aid products and, you know, lubricants that are not, you know, you know THC based lubricants. And some folks are kind of like, huh? You know, even buyers yeah. in stores don't even know that there's other ways to ingest that. And, you know, I think that it's a really uh, a big downfall for men in the industry to not understand uh, the benefits of uh, uh, the benefits of THC to uh, to women. Yeah. To our, uh, <laughs> women, women have the most, women have the most cannabinoid receptors in the human body. Women do. And it's in the. So it's like uh, it's strange that women's bodies are set up to uh, receive that plant there to me but it's it's dope it means that there is like we talked about that like two weeks ago didn't we will there was some kind of an article that was talking about uh endometriosis and how cannabis products 
helped women deal with that better than any other medication or or topical treatments um it is man like the uh women are built to receive those compounds and it's in the uterus so like was it Whoopi goldberg she has some tampons or something and then didn't empower they had some products like that in oregon you know were for uh lubricant and I think that uh, those products should be made available. And like, dude, it wasn't just like a sexual lubricant either. Like, you could you could rub it on your on your temples if you had it. You know what I mean? And it would help with that. So, well, there's also, you know, aside from its actual use in in that format, you know, a lot of my research mm-hmm. early. I mean, before when I was you know in the closet, so to speak, as a young indigenous mother pursuing you know academics in a predominantly white institution, I found myself, you know, discovering like treasure troves of information related to women's economy, prehistor- you know, prehistorical contact and then European contact, a fair amount of documentation and archives about women's role in producing textiles and what that meant for women in the indigenous economy. And there's this journal that was written in 1818 by Samuel Black, and he does an extensive archive of the women's women's economy, specifically our hemp rope economy amongst the Nez Perce. And mind you, this is after Lewis and Clark contact, but before they started sending the droves and droves of missionaries here, and it was just a foreshadow of the reality that they knew if they could just take that women's economy away from us and make us dependent on other things that that we would lose our power structure and that did happen and that did occur so i see a big restoration of women's economy through the cultivation of something that we did before uh, you know we ever had um, settlers here yeah i i uh there's like a women who grow group down here in in arizona they're like a a collective of women who are in cannabis and i think there's also a chapter in oregon or something it's still like i try to i try to support women as much as i can uh you know and have them on the show to talk about their experiences too um well i appreciate that because you know one of the women that's going to be attending the launch of thc magazine at king weedy on february 13th in washington dc and you know when you're planning these kind of events and you're networking and you're reaching out uh sometimes it just feels like a buckshot and you're just like hoping that something hits the target because you deal with a lot a different level of people you know when you're dealing with you know congressional staff you know, going after them, asking them for a big ask like this to get uh, somebody so prominent like Congresswoman Deb Howland to speak at an event like this or to contribute to, you know, a written contribution to a magazine like Tribal Hemp and Cannabis Magazine. You know, I had to do some back research on her position, and I'm, I'm, you know, aware that she's very friendly about, uh, you know, adult recreational use. And so it didn't feel like it was going to be a hard ask, but 
almost immediately one of her staffers got a hold of me and I'm just always so grateful to the inner workings of what does happen in Washington DC because those uh, those people out there that are making those big decisions they all have political staffers and these staffers you know have their you know ears you know to the ground out there and they're listening to these smoke signals that are going out there and I'm so blessed that this one you know was heard and seen because for one, it's, you know, one woman supporting another woman's cause and endeavor in Indian country to motivate, uplift, and inspire others in Indian country. And two, this is something that's like, I think even it's like a pretty freaking big deal that she's going to go to a pro-cannabis consumption-friendly event and, and have FaceTime there, and more importantly, speak on her position about freeing Indian country and ending the weaponization of our people. I mean, we have such high rates still of federal incarceration of our Indian men and women in federal prison to this day for our medicine, and it's still occurring. I had, you know, my own tribe refer myself to the feds for growing one plant in 2017. So we have a really long ways to go in Indian country because in a lot of our tribal communities, it's not, it's not our kin that are driving the gavel. It's like many yeah. other places, you know, kind of overtaken by corporate greed and corporate perspectives. And that happens in tribal governments. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's exactly what happens, you know, in every tribal government, but you know, you have to look at, at the big picture there when you have an elected, you're, you have a legislative body of people and they pass proactive cannabis legislation. And, you know, several months later, they try to criminalize one of the people that helped, you know, advance that legislation. Uh, it's it's scary. But, you know, for one, we just always have to keep uh, keep voicing our connection, our spiritual connection, and that, you know, we're not doing any harm. We're not violating any natural law here. Man-made yeah. law, perhaps, <laughs> but never any natural law. Yeah. So uh, I guess I'm going to use that as a segue into asking you about the Indigenous Cannabis Coalition. Um, like your what's what's your goal with that? So the goal with the Indigenous Cannabis Coalition is uh, to connect all of our people. Uh, I think it's more of it's it's kind of twofold. For one, as I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of education to do internally. Uh, but with that being said, there's always such a big push from the outside world to know what's going on in Indian country. And so we've kind of got, you know, that, that, that scope that where we're going to be working both internally and externally. The external is through the THC magazine, through showcasing what's happening in Indian country, connecting and building bridges between communities that want to pursue, uh, research data statistics in Indian country or business and economy partnerships, uh, in looking for investors, those types of things. Um, and the other part of that is going to be serving as facilitators in Indian country to do that in many of these communities, just starting the conversation. Uh, you know, we've already been asked to go to communities to just do that start the conversation, do surveys within those communities, and have listening sessions, have healthy, you know, communications within a community that's similar to, like, how we have our tribal councils, our general councils, 
that do it where it's just this topic and it's facilitated, it's archived where they have, uh, without it being a big formal vote thing where people can have the opportunity to share prehistory and have it archived um, before, so that they can say that they made that informed consent as a community to move forward. Uh, the other situation that we've had is a lot of outreach from folks that are wanting to that are saying, you know what, our tribe is not moving anywhere in this industry. We've got a lot of land. We want to know, do you know of networks? Do you know who we can contact so that, you know, we can start our own family farm? You know, we have X amount of acres. Uh, and so that's another reality is that uh, there's business-minded people in Indian country that don't really have a roadmap to pursue whatever avenue it is, whether it be through cultivation, you know, seed distribution, uh, you know, if they want to just get into transportation, which creates another complex issue in and of its own is, uh, you know, a lot of the unsettled, you know, legal situations with something like transportation. So as we move forward, we see, you know, filling some of the little holes that need plugged in now with data and research, communication and outreach, you know, through the education portion, and then just planning, you know, a longer-term vision of three to five years of what Indian countries' needs are going to be so that we can start to, to map out for what those needs are. Excellent answer, Mary Jane. Yeah, <laughs> well, I... Uh... I dig, I, dig, I dig the depth at which you are thinking and planning. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm, I guess you could call me short-sighted or narrow-minded. Like I have to focus on one specific goal. Like it's like, it's, it's tough for me to see that, that whole reach of things. And I, I try to just be, uh, I try to express to people like, look, I know how to do this and this. If you have questions about those things, then hit and and it's like if you want to talk about the things that you that you do, then hit us up on the show because we'd love to hear about it. You know what I mean? And it's uh, I I think the the outreach part too is I I just try to refer everybody to the show. Like I I usually have people in my lift for in my car for like ten minutes. Sometimes it'll be talking about weed and it's like, uh, I try to just refer them to the show too. I'm like, if you don't know about it and you want to hear about it, hit up the show. It's a, it's an educational resource of sort, you know what I mean? And, um, maybe there's someone, you know, on one of the episodes, or maybe there's a topic that you want to hear. So, uh, that's, that's the best we can do right now, Mary Jane, but I'm I'm looking forward to working with you and Jason on the event in the future. So that should be pretty, especially if it's in a indigenous community. Well, that's how um, I feel about it. I mean, we kind of have to start somewhere to, to start those building blocks because I, you know, and, and that's what we need is I know what my skill set is or what my strengths are, and I want to focus on those. I don't want to sit back and be in this deficit model where I say, well, you know what, these are all of my weaknesses. I fucking know what they are already. I want to build yeah. teams, and I want to be build coalitions of people that have those skill sets so that we can just keep moving forward. And I know that I have skill sets that other people don't, and I have, you know, a very different personality than most I guess that 
uh, it, you, you just have to keep, if you get fucking knocked down, you got to just get back up and keep on going. I've heard some of the craziest ass rumors about me in Indian country, not even through uh, Indian country, but just in my own community where I'm just like, really, you know, um, that, that just kind of take you back, take you aback, but they, yeah. I, they should never like hold you back. And for uh, me, it always just inspires and motivates me to keep pushing forward a little bit, you know, or a lot harder. And, um, you know, this this organization was a big part of that. Uh, our tribe moving forward with proactive cannabis legislation and our tribal government either not doing anything about it or doing something, you know, in secrecy or in silos or in secret work groups. That just doesn't jive with the grassroots that started it. And so I realized that's happening in other tribal communities throughout Indian country as well. I feel like yeah. the part of this uh, coalition building uh, was also for their safety and protection. And that's also why it needed to be an NGO, because nonprofits uh, have a very powerful voice throughout the policymaking framework. I'm not saying that Indian tribes and tribal governments don't because that consultation, whether it be, you know, uh, <laughs> in jest or not, it, I mean, it has to happen by, you know, certain executive orders. But when it comes to building meaningful relationships, I, I just, I see that happening in, in a new fashion, in a new format. And so that's that's why I wanted to bring Indian Country, uh, a nonprofit, in this manner, um, with the Indigenous Cannabis Coalition. Word, yeah, uh, I think that's dope, and I I can relate to that. Like I I don't really hear rumors because I I just talk to my my brethren from back home and my family. I, I don't I don't um, socialize too much. Uh, I, you, you know, like I, uh, I think you're dope. I, I think, uh, you're outspoken, you're outspoken. And I, I dig that cause I am, too. and maybe sometimes, um, people take that the wrong way. You know what I mean? But you know, I, I don't, think, I always think that's a big product of it. Cause I mean, I'll just be, be real with everybody. I just sparked one up and I'm, you know, I've always had the, you know, I've addressed it on a couple of different occasions, but many people know that I served as a, as a appointee under president Obama and under the national advisory council on Indian education. So I went out to Washington DC and, uh, I lived and worked out there for a little while, and I decided to return back home to our home community. And it was actually through one of my cousins that said, oh, yeah, we found out that you moved home because you got busted for heroin in Washington, D.C. And I was like, what the, f you know, I was like, I smoked hella bud while I was back there, but I never, I don't even, you know, so it just caught me off guard completely. And then when I kind of made the connection and put two and two together, I was like, oh, shit, I remember kind of the source of where it probably came from, but how it turned from finding a bag of some of the best-ass chronic from Humboldt County in my bedroom to heroin, I don't know. But, yeah, I did get yeah. busted by my roommate. I did get busted by my roommate once. <laughs> yeah, man, and I don't, yeah, that's, I try to be, uh, like, objective, you know what I mean? And 
hearsay doesn't count. It's, I guess that's just a part of it, though. Yeah. You know, when you live a certain a certain life, uh, you you put these different walls up around you. And I mean, just think of the 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 context of what was going on throughout the nation there, and even me as a as a very productive professional in Indian country, you know, that was doing very well in my career. I had, I wanted to, I went out of my way to hide the fact that I was a cannabis user and had been since the fact that I was 16 years old. But when I was, you know, living and working in that little, that little bubble, you know, you and that's when I it. remember, <laughs> but I, re- yeah, you can't talk about it, but I remember coming yeah. back home and my auntie Darla she uh, she saw me and she ran into me and she made a post on Facebook and she says you can take the girl off the res but you can't take the res out of the girl and I just love that post so much because I'd shared with her what I was going through and how hard it was you know just being away from home in general and that's just one of those things where you know I know many people do suffer uh, suffer that it's not so much for me like leaving the res, I almost feel like I'm more productive when I'm off the res. I I function a lot higher when I'm away from um, a lot of the things that, you know, because you you have to cope and face with the fact that we lose so many uh, tribal members. You know, it's like every month there's funerals, and you very rarely have time to celebrate because everybody's (laughs) always grieving. Yeah, man. I agree. I, uh... I'm sad at some of the funerals that I couldn't make it to back home, but it is. It's like I can't afford to leave right now. Like I have shit going on, and it's like uh, I, I feel a lot more productive in the city too as an indigenous person from the reservation. Um, I, I just – it's not that there's more distractions either. It's There's just more shit for me to get into. And, and stay focused on that I feel like is going to be beneficial for my future. I try to just, Yeah, sometimes uh, I feel like I give back a little bit more, but then I struggle with, like, what I did tonight, you know. I just love being able to go and hop in the sweat or just to be able to go out there and chop wood to build the sweat. Man, I'd be getting fire marshals called on me if I did that in most cities, but I don't know. Maybe that's our next challenge, sweat house in the... Uh, where are you at, Kano? <laughs> what I'm part of here. Arizona? I'm, I'm, I'm in Phoenix. Yeah, I'm in Phoenix. I don't, uh, I haven't really kicked it with too many Indians down here either. Like, I ran into some uh, Pima Indians at a rap show, followed them on IG, but I, I never, they're kind of into boom bap rap. So I was like, damn, my, my homie Will would love this shit, but. I'm like, I don't really, I don't really groove on those beats so much. I'm on my rock and roll tip. I just, uh, I, I never linked with them, but I, that, uh, it's, it's cool that the Navajos are growing hemp and they're trying to get into the cannabis game. Like, it makes me want to holler at them to see what kind of jobs they got going on. I've, I'm pretty set on heading back to Spokane, man. Uh, I want to crack a bunch of seeds and turn out a a garage and see what i can make happen like and it's not i know i'm not gonna make a whole bunch of money but it's been two years since i've had my hands in the dirt and i really miss that and just the the quality of what's around me where i'm at in this state in this city and i don't want to complain 
or or shit on Phoenix, but it's, Oregon is far superior. Uh, Washington is too. Uh, Move back to Portland then. Yeah, dude. Well, I, <laughs> I still apply for jobs out there too, but it's yeah. like uh, I'm a, I'm gonna I'm go do Spokane for at least a year and nice. see what happens, yeah. man. I, I feel like I could yeah, get out. Yeah, once a um, farmer, always a farmer. Yeah, I could get three cycles off in a year. You know what I mean, and at least do one back cross with the with the crosses that I have right now. Definitely. I, I feel like if if I stay, then you know, do another another project, like do a test and see what happens. But I really, I'm inspired by the breeders that we've had on the show. Um, shout out to Dungeons Vault Genetics. Shout out to One Eye. Shout out to uh, Elephant Smiley Andre. Like yeah. when when we talk to those guys, like I just have so many questions, and and it just it's it's almost like talking to another musician or something. And I yeah. haven't even it's it, I'm I'm fanboyed out, and I want to do some of that shit, you know? Yeah, and it's like all of those people we've had like easily could have on for another episode, you know? There's just so much fucking yeah the information the, to share about yeah breeding and seeds. Yeah, man, and I uh I feel like that is very important to the future too, cause um diversity is is key, man. Like I dig all the different flavors, and guys keep coming up with new shit. It's uh that's what I like, man. Like there was only when 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 I was a kid, it was either fucking Bammer, Mersh, or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so now oh, yeah. it's yeah, like there's. I, I want to create like that, you know, like it's a, it's another way to express myself through a medium. So I want to at least do that for a year. And then I, a bunch of songs written that I can release through the next year too. So I, I can get my music fixed and hopefully still do some shows. And then I'm going to stay podcasting, man, stay podcasting. <laughs> so with the weed stuff too, I just feel like, uh, I don't feel totally disconnected from the people I work with down here because we're still able to communicate electronically. But, dude, I just miss being able to stop by homies' houses and smoke and sit there and bullshit like that. And uh, just it, it feels good that, like, I don't have any any gardening friends down here. I got a couple of weed homies and a music homie. And that's it. But it's like in Portland, holy shit, dude. Like so many guys would be like, man, check this out, man. I ran this outside. Or here, check this out, man. My army just did this solvent list, man. And it's like you, like the community is so, it's just so much more fun to be a part of because everybody contributes, you know? And it's, uh, I miss that a lot. So I want to return to that type of vibe. Well, you'll definitely have to come back to Portland Next November 2020, that's going to be the launch of the third Tribal Hemp and Cannabis magazine uh, at the National Congress of American Indians in November 2020. So on November 11th, we're going to host a Native Veterans Gala. It's going to be at the... uh, Yeah, so when you were talking about future planning, yeah, it's already happening for 2020. Already got... uh, the place locked down for the uh, Billy Frank Jr. conference room. That's awesome. Damn, that's tight. 
Yeah, uh, so you guys will have to be out there for, for that event for sure. It's going to be in Portland, um, already starting to get some commitments rolling in for that. And I know once we start uh, getting the speaker lineup in the different format, but we'll look to collaborate with you in some fashion or format on that for sure. Yeah, man. Uh, Most definitely, and probably have to get uh, the dispensary I work for involved too. Uh, um, the We're native-owned uh uh, is it Kane's uh, cousin Jackson also Nez Perce, uh owns Natural Wonders the dispensary I work for so I'm sure we would probably be interested in, in yeah the, man in involvement in, yeah in that. some some sort of sponsorship capacity or something man get the logo on the flyer man <laughs> That sounds like a yeah. good uh, starting point for a conversation to move forward there on that one. Um, we also yeah. have uh, the second one coming out in June. Uh, we'll be launching that one during uh, the Native Nations events uh, cannabis conference in San Diego at the Pachanga Resort uh, June uh, 16th and 17th in San Diego area at Temecula at the um, casino down there, Pachanga Casino. Damn, man, you guys, you got to holler at Dan Henderson for that. He stays down there in Temecula, and he claims Walla Walla. He claims Walla <laughs> And he's he's super, super famous UFC fighter. Uh, man, he's, I like him a lot. Like, he's, uh. Yeah, you'll have, have to hook us up. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't even know him, but I know that if you hit online, he would respond. You know what I mean? It's like. Oh, yeah. Like, even if he doesn't come through and speak, like he, he would come through and check it out, I think. And he uh he's he's retired now and he just I don't know, but I'm sure he smokes, man. Like he's he's gotta he's gotta have aches and pains after all those years of fight. And I'm I'm sure uh I'm sure he probably takes part if he's in a state like California. But at least, There's at least so off being Indian, at least off being Indian, he would come for that. Yep. You guys and that's like the other thing is there's a lot of different natives out there in the network, just like all over in different, you know, you know, some doing some big things, and it's not even for tribal industries. They're out there doing things in mainstream, uh, you know, predominantly white industry, taking some shit over. Yeah. Like that's uh, yeah, man, I agree. Like the uh, the talking to Jason earlier, he was just like, you know, if we if we we, we try to be a equity cannabis sponsorship type companies, like we might have to get some money for some some evil evil sponsorships. But if it's going to the right people who are gonna get set up to win, then that's cool. Dan Henderson, that's what I was saying. Like he, uh, if it's in Temecula, you should ask him to come out. I bet you he'd come, give him like a free pass, to come through and take some pics. And I, I don't know, like he, he was just a, a, a really good fighter to watch. And it was dope that he, he claimed his indigenous heritage, man. He's like, nah, I'm Walla Walla. He's like, my grandma. Like, all right, man, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. So, who's your who's your fighter? Who do you watch? 
Who do I watch? Um, man, yeah. I used to watch Kane Velasquez, but he went WWE. So now I, I really like uh, the Diaz brothers, and I like Jorge Masvidal too. Like they're uh, they're Latino dudes. Jorge's Cuban, and the Diaz brothers are Mexican. They really really train hard and really perform well, and it's uh i like those guys a lot just because they have 40 cards a weekend or 40 cards a week or, or 40 cards a year so it's like every other weekend almost you know like three a month and it's a lot of content to follow and it's also a lot of content to create and so it takes a while for the cream to rise to the top but there's uh there's also this other guy his name's like Ponzinibbio. That's that's his last name, and he's Brazilian. He be doing all the cartwheel capoeira shit, but uh, no way. Like he he doesn't like he he'll do that in a fight and kick a guy in the head. I uh I like watching shit like that. I uh that's the other reason that I also like the Diaz brothers is they they are open cannabis users and supporters. Nate Diaz was at like a press conference before his fight against Anthony Pettis smoking a CBD joint on stage. And I just thought that was super gangster. You know what I mean? Because his brother has been banned for like two years before for pissing dirty for a week. And it's just like his brother is also dope, but he hasn't fought for like four or five years due to all these suspensions these suspensions and it's not steroids it's cannabis and they they cut him now since then it's like there's no more suspensions he's free to fight it's cool that his brother rep for him like that too but it's like nah man like cbd flower smoking it in a joint and i'm still gonna piss for my ua you know so i i love shit like that because oh i everybody love those else, guys actually every Everybody else would be too scared to do that. You know what I mean? That's their phrase. Don't be scared, homie. You know? Like, I'm like, no. fuck yeah. Yeah. You know, I was at uh, the MJ BizCon in 2017, and I was helping this gal set up this area, one of the products gals, and she's getting their little dab rig all set up, and we're waiting for it to get heated up for a minute, and... It was, you know, taking a while for the email to, to get heated up. So I walked around the corner to talk to a few people and went back around the corner. And she's like, oh, you're back, you know. And she's like, well, here, you go right after him. And so I was standing because it was a, like, a very crowded area and it was kind of darker. And uh, the person that I was with was kind of standing more towards, the, you know, the person that was on the dab rig. And uh, he finishes hitting it, and he hands it over towards me, and then he looks over, and he's like, what's up, Bobby? And I, it took me a, a minute to recognize who he was, but as he walks, you know, he's talking to the person that I was there with. I start hitting on it, and then he cuts out, and then I was like, was that who I think it was? And he's like, oh, yeah, we went to high school together, like it was no big deal, but uh, he had went to school down in Stockton, and it just happened to be Nate Diaz. Wow, uh, that's tight. So yeah, they they love hanging out at those those big events like that and supporting what's going on in the industry, promoting their brand and business and whatnot. And I definitely big fans of the Diaz brothers myself. I just you know yeah. at first I was a little starstruck, and I'm just gonna admit I, I fucking didn't recognize him with his shirt on. 
I'm always used to seeing him without clothes, or, you know, not clothes on, but yeah. <laughs> used to seeing him shirtless. And, yeah. you know, he had, he had like, clothes on and shit, so I didn't recognize him. Yeah, man. It, I want to try and get him on the show, too, either one of them. And I, it's a it's a big ask or a, a far stretch, but, man, maybe they would. Especially if we ran into him at a, at a conference like that, you know what I mean? That would be my 30-second yep. elevator conversation is like, hey, like, we do a podcast, man. Can we get you on for an hour? Because like, uh, whenever they do interviews and stuff, it's always geared towards the fight, you know what I mean? Or what's been going on since you haven't been fighting and shit like that. It's like, man, ask him about the weed. That's what I was like. What the fuck is, yeah. you know, what was in that joint? Like, who grew that? Is that your company? Are you guys growing flowers? Can we get an interview about that, man? Like, that's the shit I really... I, I dig watching him fight, too, but it, I'm so much more interested because he's into other shit like that, too. And he's also... I'm not vegan. I love to fucking eat meat. I love to fucking kill deer and elk. Eat them on the fucking barbecue. You know what I mean? I'm savage. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an apex pre But there's <laughs> vegan homies. I got vegan homies, vegan friends and family. And Nate Diaz is vegan, so... I salute him for that too, you know, like that has to take a lot of discipline. Um, and I think that for that, sure, that comes sure. with him being, being the, the fighter he is too. Like those guys both, they do triathlons, like fucking run, bike and swim. I'm yeah. like, Jesus Christ. That's that's crazy, yeah. And so like they're super in shape and they can go for fucking 25 minutes. Like it's nothing, you know, and it's total like, 30 because there's a minute rest in between rounds. But that's a half hour fight. That's a long time to fight a guy. That's a really like, long I, time. In, I can do endurance smoking and that's about it. And it's taken a lot of training for, for endurance smoking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, that's when when I lived with Jackson when I was in Portland. All of our friends would say the same thing: like, you guys are gonna smoke another one, you know? And then, <laughs> yeah, if don't you like, know where if I'm there from? was a well, dude, and they'd be like, man, if there's a competition, you guys would win that shit, and we'd be like, damn, we gotta come up with that, you know what I mean? Like, we gotta come up with that, like we gotta have a like a competitive like, smoking team, you know what I, I mean? I know a couple of aunties that would take that shit. <laughs> dude serious you know what i mean and it's like you could have like a a, a dab event a roll of blunt event uh like they're you know like fastest trim on an ounce of untrimmed flour like you could come up with all types of shit i think would be i think dope. you're creating you... the vision creating the vision for what needs to happen next november because what we want to do is the gala and that's you know in addition to you know the other save the date event you know, and throw some different ideas around, but we definitely have amazing processors, you know, distributors, you know, packaging companies, you know, just great things going on. And the big hub of it is in the Pacific freaking Northwest because we've got dope ass climate. We've got rich, amazing soil. We've got good water quality. And so, you know, those are some of the things that we need to protect as people are advancing so fast forward in the industry as our native resources. Uh, you know, with our, you know, regulatory authority as, you know, tribal governments. And, you know, for what we can do, you know, is highlight and showcase that. I want to do something like that, like a, a big party where we have an awards show because we already have, you know, phenomenal people doing amazing things. And we can already start to put that stuff out there and, you know, 
just kind of replicate, not necessarily replicate, but just take some spokes off of some of the other wheels and build our own that is going to work for, you know, doing what we want to do in the industry to showcase what our communities are doing. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And that's, uh, that's the other part too. I know I say this all the times and you guys can say fucking shut up about it, Kane, but I, no matter where, if it's federal legalization or tribal legalization, everybody should be able to grow there. You know, yeah. Like that's, that's what went wrong in Washington. You know what I mean? Everybody just saw, fuck, legal weed, vote yes, you know? And it was like, it was like the first try, I think, in that state. When it, when it went wreck on the ballot, like, they fucking passed that shit. And it, they, the language wasn't written so that you could grow your own. In Oregon, they got it right. It's like four, you're going to have four plants at your house if you're 21 and over. I love that. Yeah. But if it goes federally legal, I, I want that at least, like, four to six plants. Like, I, I want to grow my own. I don't want to have to buy it from a store. I know that big money is going to take over, and that's what's going to be available on the shelf at a decent price. And it's, as popularity spreads, like, the, the connoisseur craft shit about the industry is going to, it's going to be slower. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's going to go for the cheap eight instead of the, the 40 or $50. And it's, no Convinc- way. That's, that's criminal. Well, that's criminal. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, it's, it's going to get I grow my own. Yeah, man, same. And I, I want to grow my own and then trade with the homies. Trade with my... It's like, hey, man, yeah. I saw that shit peeking over the fence and it fucking smelled fire. Would you like to trade an ounce of that, sir, for the, the little indica I had there next to the fucking fence? I, I just... Oh, uh, bro, but your vision for seed banking and getting you know, seeds going on for distribution is, I think that's a very, very tight idea. No doubt. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Uh, I, I see getting, that uh, it's, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting for it, man. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll be elbowing me a little bit. He works Genetics with, uh, well, he, he works, he works with dynasty genetics too. Like Will's, Will's super well-rounded. He writes for a magazine. He works for different cultivators and breeders at times. And he's a super cool cat, man. And he, he'll tell me from time to time, he's like, dude, you should try breeding. Shucks. You should do breeding. You know yeah. I'm like? I'm like, yeah. And he'd be too. He'd be like, like every other episode, he'd be like, you should move to Portland. And I'm like, yeah, man, yeah. Yeah. We, we might work out a roommate. There's not, there's not much in Arizona. No. Yeah, I, we might. I know work you've out. made you've made a lot of what you have, but Portland, in terms of like what you want to do, I mean, not Portland, just like the Pacific Northwest region in general, in terms of like what you want to do, um, you know, with you know with plants and such, is definitely the move. I feel like. Yeah. I agree. I've I've uh, I've been focused on music and film stuff the past year too. Cannabis only through this capacity on the show, and I I really want to more hands on. I want to talk about the shit I got going on on the show too. Like yo, I'm in week six. You know what I mean? I wish I could show you a yeah. picture. You know, Southern Oregon. Check out my- like a little, some property, Southern Oregon. Get out. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make that happen, Will. I'm gonna figure that out, Will. Yeah. It's out there but, in the universe, it's gonna. Yeah, no doubt. And we we are uh pretty much at an hour, Mary Jane. I'll let you go ahead and close with anything you wanna uh you wanna talk about or express to anyone about stuff you got coming up in the future, and then also drop your sh- your social media. Well, first, uh, to you guys at Concerned Dabs Podcast, Himakas Katiaya, for having me on as a guest. Will, so nice to meet you through, you know, this podcast. Um, the man behind the scene too. there, Mitch. Uh, I know you're you're always making things happen, and it's just uh, yeah. awesome to Mitch know that, that you're part of what's going on here. Oh, yeah. And so, um, again, we're online at indigenouscannabiscoalition.com um, you can email me at mjoatman at gmail.com um, at indigenouscannabiscoalition.com um, I'm going to have our, our media deck if you're interested in finding ways that you can advertise in the, it would be now the June uh, because un- well, not fortun- unfortunately you know, we're reaching that capacity we may have I think one more spot so if you're interested in advertising um, I have one more half-page spot in the uh, February launch. Um, if I get enough inquiries, I'm going to increase it by four pages because um, that's what I'm going to have to do if I if I do. But I I'm really excited about the where we're at, the layout, the way that everything's getting coming together, and no doubt. and you know through this experience, I'm learning a lot about. You know other um, native nonprofit uh, printing presses in the industry through this podcast. You know, learning about Will in the industry with the, your magazine. I definitely want to learn more. So um, just that, you know, Indigenous Cannabis Coalition. You know, connecting people and like we are right now, um, and our cultures and our prehistories with the contemporary things that are going on now. So I'm I'm really really excited to launch the tribal hemp and cannabis magazine um for what what it's going to build and grow into i have a feeling it may include more of uh the work that concerned pods uh concerned dabs podcast has because you guys are phenomenal talent and i see you guys growing and doing some phenomenal things and hopefully uh the work that i'm doing will build the capacity to um to to do that and advance some of that works. Like I said, I know, I, I, I don't know a lot about podcasts. You guys have been a steep learning curve to come on tonight. So thank you for uh, the viewers for dealing with the technical difficulties on the front end for getting this uh, podcast up and going. And oh, yeah, I wish I could have, you know, had a good smoke with you all. I did. I was having a good smoke while I was having the, the podcast and just, <laughs> uh, you know, good uh, reflection time. Uh, I just appreciate anybody that tuned into the podcast. Um, I'm going to do my work to share it with more people and your future podcasts. Good no everybody. Awesome. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Appreciate um, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Will writes for Oregon Leaf Magazine. So if you guys are paying fools to write articles, holler at that guy. He's yeah, and also we have, I mean, we have other magazines in other states now. We have Oregon Leaf, Northwest Leaf in Washington, which is the OG. 
um, California leaf coming in the next year, Alaska leaf, and then a Maryland leaf is actually our newest uh, project out in Maryland now, and that's up and running. We've had a few issues there. Um, so yeah, maybe we can make something happen with yeah and then uh can you drop your social media too will like mary jane could get a hold of you through there right yeah and it's um two underscores seven tendencies so on instagram seven one zero seven one zero d-e-n-c-i-e-s underscore underscore seven one zero yeah, he's it's a, lot, uh, it's a lot of hash content. That's pretty yeah. much what it is. But. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah, that's how we came up with the name, man. Will Turps right. was post. He, he's like, here's some concerned dabs that I took after work today. And it, the look on his face, right? It's like, holy shit. You know, like, what? Well, this is a nice dab right here. And it's like, man, that's classic. Pro- that's- probably some samples. Yeah, we we gotta. Uh, I was like, we gotta call the <laughs> podcast that concerned. That. Yeah. So, uh, thank you for taking the time. Also, Mary Jane, we we're always in a quest to create more content. And it's dope when we get to interview somebody else about their experiences in the industry. So, thank. You. Most definitely. Um, yeah, cuts you out. Yeah. Um, All right. Thanks, and guys. With that, Until next time. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely down to have you back show. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do my outro dance, ladies and gentlemen. This was the 33rd episode of Concerned Dabs Podcast. I was your host, Katie M. Kane. With me was my co-host, Will Turk. Tonight's guest was Mary Jane Oatman from the Indigenous Cannabis Coalition and Tribal Hemp and Cannabis Max. So um we hope everybody can tune into this episode after the fact if they didn't listen um and hopefully spread the word i also got to give a shout out to my guys in production mitchell wilson and jesse curry this has been a main node and joseph street enterprise production (laughs)